The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about the show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. The Heather McCoy Show. Yes, it is the Heather McCoy Show. Welcome to it. This is, um, we're uh, midway uh, through the show today. We'll have Robert Larson joining us for a bit longer than usual to talk about the state of the Republican and uh, Democratic conventions last week. And then, of course, we'll have another, um, we'll have another report from the uh, Inland Empire um, from him. Um, we're going to start with our regular contributor, Neil DeMoss. Welcome to the show, Neil. Hey, Heather. Should be mentioned, you are filled from fieldofschemes.com. Kind of a hectic morning this morning. Yeah, I, uh, I woke up and uh, all of a sudden the, uh, the interweb had exploded with Arena and Stadium News. So. Yeah, I, I saw that this morning. I caught your site yesterday and it just popped and it exploded. Um, uh, but most of the questions I have go back to what was on the previous week. Um, as the old cliche uh, goes, we've got some good news and some bad news. The good news being the 49ers personal seat licenses or PSL for short are selling at risk pace. So it, it looks like the city of Santa Clara won't be holding the bag for the $1.2 million price tag for the new stadium. However, in Louisville, Kentucky, the Louisville Arena Authority, the governing body of the KFC Yum Center, which sounds awesome already, uh, needs to sell assets to keep the arena financed, including an investment that has a fixed rate of return of 4.7%, which nets an annual income of uh, $740,000 a year. What explains these tale of two cities? I think the difference is that Louisville is not San Francisco, you know, and yeah. uh, the, both the population size and the amount of wealth around there. Um, also, you know, we're talking about a, a uh, basketball arena, mostly for college and for, and for concerts, versus a football stadium. Um, so, you know, you have, in the Santa Clara case, apparently one of these are exceptions to the rule that stadiums don't pay for themselves, right? Um, they do pay for themselves if you can find a whole lot of rich people, and not a tremendous amount, but, you know, 50,000 people um, who are willing to put down 2,000, 5,000, 20,000 bucks for the right to buy tickets. Um, not for the tickets themselves, mind you, but for the right to buy tickets. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, that's worked in a few places. You know, the Giants and Jets have pulled it on. The Cowboys did it, although they got, they got some bunch of public money as well. Um, you know, the Yankees have made money despite they both had the 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 largest private expense on a new stadium and the largest largest public expense on a new stadium all in the same stadium because it costs so much money. Um, but you know, if you've got a lot of rich people around um, who are willing to buy tickets for a lot of money, um, then you can actually make some money back. Louisville wasn't looking at that, um, and you know they're just trying to pay off this thing with uh, with you know tax proceeds. Tax proceeds go down. And suddenly the Arena Authority is trying to figure out where on earth it's going to get the money from. Um, and it's the same thing that's going on in Cincinnati right now. It's the same thing that's going on in a lot of cities where, uh, you know, they based their projected uh, payoffs of the bonds on uh, tax receipts, and the economy crashes, tax receipts go down, and suddenly they're, you know, bottoming out their reserve fund. Yeah, um in Louisville, they're paying, selling off assets to pay for an arena, an asset allegedly that can't make money. 
Unfortunately, that isn't new. The city of Cincinnati, I think, had to sell off their uh, public hospital for the Bengal Stadium um, that the city had money on. What are some of the more examples of privatization occurring uh, due to bad stadium deals? I'm trying to think of other ones that have been connected with stadiums. It's, it's sort of new because we haven't had this you know, level of economic crash in a while. Um, so we haven't really seen stadium funds running as dry as as we have recently. So we're just kind of seeing the leading edge of this stuff. Um, clearly, we're going to see more of it if uh, if uh, you know the, the economy doesn't recover soon. Um, you know, that doesn't make deals any better necessarily if tax receipts are higher and you can afford to pay it off. Um, you're still pouring the same amount of money into it and getting the same benefits or lack thereof, but. Um, you know, it's obviously more a little scarier when, um, you know, instead of just putting it, – it's scarier to be having to spend a lot of money on a stadium when, you're, when your county is broke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, what I was going to say is the um, one thing that's kind of a sigh of relief for the people in Santa Clara is that the PSLs did go well. Um, it strikes me, why doesn't the um, stadium luxury sell suites uh, – why are they untouchable for repaying the city? Uh, my assumption is the 49ers wanted that. You know, the, you know, the 49ers are building this thing not just to have a nicer place to watch a ball game. Assuming it's yeah. a nicer place to watch a ball game, they get doing it because they want money. Um, and uh, you know, they're going to be uh, going to be taking the. You know, they're not they're not going to be keeping the the personal seat license money, um, or at least not all of it. They're not going to be keeping the naming rights money. That's going to go to pay off the, the you know Santa Clara's share. Um, but they are going to keep the sweet money. Uh, it's also possible this has something to do with um, the way the NFL shares revenue. I know there's a lot of complicated, uh, you know, formulas for what goes to home team, what goes to the visiting team. I think the the, the NFL's uh, stadium loan fund involves taking the sweet money that would go to the visiting team and kicking it back to pay for the home team stadium costs. Um, so there's maybe reasons why that in particular um, is what the 49ers keep. But the the point again is that, uh, you know, the 49ers want something out of this deal. Um, you know, they, they, they want a windfall, so that's what they decided to make their windfall. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's more money, I think. The sweet money, I think, is a little bit more money than the PSL money. Um, it's like $300 million and change for either one, but I think the sweets are actually a little more lucrative. Okay. Um, another news that came out this week. How much of us? How it, another another news? We how much of? Um, let me start again. Another <laughs> news. <laughs> it's just been one of those mornings. Another news that came out. <laughs> you have to tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another news this morning um, that came out. Uh, how much we lose a society by financing loss leaders, externalities, otherwise known as uh, sports facilities. Uh, Bloomberg reports that the U.S. Secretary U.S. Treasury loses about. 146 million a year and a total of uh, 4 billion by 2047 due to the fact that stadiums are financed by tax exempt bonds. Uh, I know you take issue with that low figure. What isn't being included to come up with 146 million a year? And aren't the and the other question too is aren't the hidden subsidies a type that cost cities but not necessarily the US treasuries? Yeah, I mean, this is just one piece of the puzzle, right? This doesn't, isn't counting the direct subsidies of actual cash that cities and states are putting in counties. This doesn't count, you know, hidden tax breaks like uh, property tax breaks or, you know, kicking back uh, sales taxes around the stadium or anything like that. This just has to do with the fact that um, sports teams have been using the cities and states' ability to sell tax-exempt bonds and using it for their private facilities. 
You're not supposed to be able to do that. The 1986 Tax Reform Act was supposed to close this loophole because the whole reason that the federal government allows you not to have to pay taxes on um, municipal bonds or certain kinds of municipal bonds is that they're supposed to be used for paying for things that don't really have any revenue, right? You know, building a park, building a library. You want to be able to say, you know, the IRS says, okay, fine, you're building one of those things. You know, we'll give you a hand by not, uh, you know, forcing the bond buyers to pay taxes, which reduces the city's costs. However, they're effectively using this thing that the IRS is, you know, supposed to be letting them do for public good and using it for private purpose. They're not supposed to be doing it, but they found a way around it. And for the last, let's see, 1986, that's 26 years, um, you know, it's, it's been okayed. Um, and it's a tremendous cost. You know, it's the whatever, $140-odd million a year um, that is coming out of everyone's pockets um, to help pay for sports facilities around the country. Uh, you know, one of my favorite stats on this is that, you know, Boston Red Sox fans are helping to build a new Yankee Stadium <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because they're helping to pay it off because, you know, their, their tax money that's going to the federal government is helping to subsidize the, uh, these tax-exempt bonds that the Yankees used um, through this incredibly convoluted, you know, series of loans and rent and loan, you know, loan, rent money being packaged as pretend taxes and all kinds of things. Um, but they're able to get away with it. So it, it's a big concern, and it's one that Congress every once in a while, um, um, you know, gets uh, worried about. Dennis Kucinich a few years ago had hearings where he uh, tried to look into this. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, it's not something that there's ever really been traction in Congress to do anything about. Um, I keep hoping that there'll be more attention, maybe from angry Red Sox fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, or Bernie Sanders. clamor for some change, but, but nothing yet. Yeah, or Bernie Sanders from Vermont. Um, yeah, I yeah. mean, again, there's, there's a, every once in a while you get you get somebody sort of calling attention to this stuff, but um, you know, it's so hard to get any kind of anti-corporate subsidy legislation through Congress. I mean, it just gets smashed down by the uh, the forces of pro-corporate subsidy, which are almost all of them, thanks to Citizens United, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that uh, that. Regardless of what any of these people think, you know, their own personal political beliefs, I don't think anybody's going to bite the hand that feeds them. Yeah, I know. Without, without, I should say bite the hand that feeds them without a huge public, you know, outcry about this. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, you, you could see a point at which Congress would be forced to, to do something, you know, or at least throw a bone to uh, opposition. But, you know, most of the stadium debate happens on a local level. You know, it's people debating, oh, what should we do about in our city council? Um, that, you know, aside from a couple of attempts, you know, Ralph Nader tried to get stuff going for a little while. Um, there hasn't really been a big concerted national effort to try and address this issue. I, I know losing f- uh, $4 billion by 2047 is the drop in the bucket compared to the boondoggle that the military budget is. But what's infuriating still is to read about granting, um, what's infuriating is reading about granting the Minnesota Vikings a new stadium with the government made uh, for the Vikings. A franchise, a private entity, by the way, worth an, and and it, it made their um, value go up 22 percent more. So they're currently evaluated at, at 975 million dollars. Is there a special way to uh, a special new tax to catch the windfall when Ziggy Wolf, if or when he decides to decide decide to sell the team? 
Not in Minnesota. They tried in a couple places. Uh, Miami Marlins have a, uh, a you know profit sharing thing where they have to share uh, uh, the proceeds if they if they sell. But of course, you know Ziggy Wolf isn't probably isn't going to sell. He's going to pass it along to his uh, his uh, kids. Um, and at that point, you know they're still they're still making money off of this thing. I mean, eventually, I guess it's possible that uh, uh, you know if the Marlins get sold, that there will that there will be some sort of additional tax and. It's it's you know it's good to have those kinds of clauses, but really what you you know the important thing is here you're looking at the fact that you know the, the 179 million dollars the Vikings are worth extra now isn't just 170 million dollars extra on uh, Ziggy Wilf's uh, you know bottom line. Um, it's a reflection of the fact that he's making a lot more money. Yeah. Um, and you know that's the the issue here is that we've basically you know subsidized private profits with public expenses and very directly here and um you know that's that's why i wrote the book <laughs> that's why you wrote this for all the years it is a great book if you haven't read it or not uh, already it is called field of schemes and um it's available on, on amazon it was just one place that i know of any other places that you know where to get the book yeah, you can get it through through the Field of Schemes website. You can directly from the publisher. You can get it, you know, all over the place. You know, you okay. Can, uh, you can even buy used copies. I shouldn't say that. But. You shouldn't say that. <laughs> but um, the one last question I want to ask you is: um, Is the Coyotes worth mentioning this week? Uh, nothing. Nothing. When, when was the last time we talked about the Coyotes? I mean, every week. You know, they've, uh, you know. There was another. There was another report that. Oh yeah, maybe they've got the uh, the. Uh, um, you know the the new buyer has the uh, uh, actual investors. I guess this is last, since last Tuesday that Jameson said, "Oh, you know, we finally got the financing lined up." Um, but you know, it's still nothing actually written in stone um, or in ink. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see it when we believe it. The amusing part is Ice Edge is back. They've crept their way as an investment group. Yeah, I said the people who like went for years. If people have been following this, I said and Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the uh, the White Sox and the Bulls, went back and forth, like competing to see who was going to drop out of the bidding for the Coyotes more aggressively. Um, and uh, you know, now finally, after years and years of this stuff, they're back in as a minority investor. And you know, whatever. I like I said, we'll we'll see what actually happens. I'm 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 hesitant to ever. Um, until I see a lightly signed, I'm not going to believe any of the rumors in the papers. Yeah, yeah. Neil DeMoss is the creator of com, the blog site tracking all the stadium activity. And it's always, something's always up in this world. Um, and then he also wrote the book on it, of course, Fill the Schemes. Uh, thank you for joining us on the show this morning. Always a pleasure. Talk to you next week. Okay, talk to you next week. This is the Heather McCoy Show.